because you did not know the time of your visitation. The text for our meditation. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Many of us were taught to pray before our meals, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. But have you considered what you're actually asking for? You're asking for Jesus, the one who has promised to come to judge the living and the dead. When you ask him to visit you, you're not simply asking him just to bless your food and then to take off so that you can go back to your sinful life. No, you're asking him to abide with you like those Emmaus disciples, to abide with you with both his promise and his blessing, but also with his rule, his governance, his judgment. Every time you pray for him to come, you're asking for his visitation. Or perhaps you haven't considered what Jesus meant when he said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ages of ages. As he gave that promise, he says that the means he uses to bring his presence in your midst are these. In the teaching of his word, in your baptism into his name, and in his body and blood in the sacrament. Just read Matthew's Gospel. He visits you, he comes to you, he's with you always in his word, the word that exposes your sin for what it is. He's with you always in your baptism that crucifies in you the old Adam, the flesh. And he's with you always with his body and blood that went into death and was poured out from his pierced side to forgive you your sins. That means every time that he comes to visit you, he's with you always, but particular is when you gather around him and his gifts where he's promised to be found. That means that today, right now, is the day of your visitation. Now, I suppose that word visitation, it sounds soft and nice to us. Jesus, come for a visit. <laughs> but as we heard today, when Jesus visits, his visitation is a two-edged sword. To ask Jesus to visit you is to have him come as your bishop. The word bishop comes from the same word for visit. That is to be your overseer. It combines all sorts of meanings to visit, to look upon, to investigate, to inspect, to test, to be concerned about, and to care for. All of that is wrapped up in visitation. So as the dictionary says, it is the description of the act in which the Lord, in a special incursion into the course of life of individuals, or of a people, mostly Israel, makes known to them either, makes himself known to them either in judgment or in grace. The visitation takes place when God draws near to his people in their sin and distress and shows himself to be the Lord of history. It may be that judgment is executed by him, but it may also be an act of mercy. And even a visitation, sometimes, of both judgment and grace in the same sentence. 
So the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. Many volumes. <laughs> Go to my office if you want to see it. So what the dictionary is saying is right. It's surveying the whole scriptures and telling you that his word, Jesus' visitation, it cuts both ways. He shows you your sin, he exposes your weakness, and he levels the full accusation of the law against you. And even though you know the things that make for your peace, even with him coming and telling you, you still want to hold on to your old flesh with its passions and desires, or lusts, if you like. You'd rather not know the real root cause of all your distress. You'd rather live a life in darkness and in ignorance. And that's why, maybe even for you, you keep Jesus at arm's length. You hesitate to read and to pray the judgment of his word daily. Far better to just keep Jesus in a nice tidy box, to limit the way that he visits you, and then maybe just suffer pastor's words of judgment once a week at most. And you probably got a list of excuses and reasons why it's so hard to be regular in Jesus' word. But in the end, they really all amount to the same thing not wanting to deal with Jesus as he comes to you. That is, to deal with reality. And this brings Jesus sorrow. This actually makes Jesus cry. Weep. Really, it's true. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace... The only other time we hear of Jesus crying, weeping, is at the death of his friend, Lazarus. And today he weeps, actually, for the same reason. His people and his city have rejected him. And because they've rejected him, the Lord and giver of life, there's only one result, and that's death. When he weeps over Jerusalem, he's weeping over their death, the way that they try to live apart from him, without the peace of his forgiveness. And there's only one result from that, only one thing that can happen, and that's to die in sin. There's really no other way, either the way of life in Jesus or the way of death. When Jesus weeps, though, we learn that he's not just some kind of callous arbitrary, capricious, judgmental God who cares for you little either way. It's not like he leaves you to just make a choice between death and life, and then he just resigns himself to whatever judgment you make, whatever decision you choose. That's not it at all. Even today, as he pronounces judgment on the unbelief of Jerusalem, the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people, even then he is calling them to repentance. Some of those who he pronounced judgment against today are those who follow after the apostles in the resurrection and ascension. Those who repent and believe in Christ. Just read the book of Acts. Yes, the destruction of Jerusalem that he prophesied 
is fulfilled in AD 70 under Emperor Nero. When he sends the Roman army, led by the future Emperor Titus, and Tiberius Julius Alexander as his second-in-command to besiege and conquer Jerusalem. And so aggravated was Nero with Jerusalem that he destroyed the city, leveled the temple, and left no stone upon another, just as Jesus said. And that's not just some kind of past-future action. As it was true for those whom Jesus was speaking to, it's true for us, too. Death and destruction is coming. Heaven and earth will pass away. The judgment against sin, against unbelief, is not just for those people 2,000 years ago in the temple. This judgment is against your sin, too. Death may come today or tomorrow. But the one who preaches this terrible end he told you, is also the one who makes for your peace. And actually, he himself, Jesus, is the way of your escape. The Christians, those who believed in Christ, fled Jerusalem before the destruction because they knew the word of Jesus, the prophecy he had made. And Jesus visits you today so that you know, too, the way for peace. He shows you the way out. He comes today to you, visit you, to save you. So what's the difference between then and now? Yes, the specifics of Jerusalem's particularly, particular leveling by Nero, that happened a long time ago. But what he prophesied against them is also the same for us. The end result is always the same, the judgment against sin. Just look around. Not one stone will be left upon another here either. Enemies will surround you on every side if they haven't already. Those who seek to destroy you, to tear you away from Jesus, they've built their embankments, they have fortified their walls, and even now they're preparing to assault you. Maybe not physically, but they seek to destroy your relationship to Christ. That is, your trust in him. Do you see it? Do you know it? Well, you can play dumb. You can stand back, deny your Savior, and watch everything around you collapse, and then feign ignorance, the surprise, when there isn't a church for you anymore. Or, you could listen to Jesus today. Today is the day of your visitation. Take a hard look at yourself. Be honest about the way that you don't trust in him always and in everything, your unbelief, and return to him. Be attentive to his word. Live abundantly by trusting, not in yourself, but in the good gift of peace given to you in his word, his baptism, and his body and blood in the sacrament. Those aren't just nice things that we do together as Christians. Those are the only way forward. The only way forward for you, the only way through this present darkness for this congregation, and really the only way that the church on earth is preserved. Don't take my word for it. It's what Jesus said. The things that make for your peace. And 
trusting in him, you know what's the greatest thing? All those enemies who you fear, those ones who threaten to destroy you and your faith, they can do nothing to you, for you are in Christ Jesus. They can throw any and every temptation your way, or legal challenges, or prohibitions to your gathering together to try to destroy you. But it won't matter. It won't matter provided you stay with Jesus and his promises. As we heard today, they were unable to do anything, for all the people were hanging on to his every word, were attentive to him. May God grant it among us also, in the name of Jesus. Amen.